this that you can um, share or, or do whatever you want to do with it. But, um, you know, we, we want to switch it up, you know. And I remember back in the day when we first met Sister Chi, we were at the church. And, you know, she was that lady that had all them kids. Y'all ever go to church and there's somebody with all them kids? Yes, her, right? And Pops, her husband, Pops, you got me the husband. You know what he remind me of? Uh, your nephew, Manuel. You know, gift the gab, smart, charisma, got a whole bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. He just like Manuel, except he go to church. Well, I think Manuel go to church, too. I can't remember. But, you know, one thing, you know, I've always admired about, um, I'm going to call it Devin Cheek tonight because that's what I'm accustomed to. Because she is my friend. She's a family friend, and she's always been there for us. You know, whenever we go back to North Carolina to visit, we always stop and see Deborah and John. So Deborah, I just want to say welcome to you tonight. Thank you for joining us. I feel so blessed and so excited for you to be here. So just go ahead and say hi to the people. You know, anything you want to say? Hey guys, I am super excited to be on the line with you. Um, as Calvin said, um, I'm sorry, D. Rich. Um, uh, <laughs> we each other for quite some time. Uh, their family. Uh, I, I'm I'm super honored to even be able to talk with you guys. I've I've been vibing to the music. I love it. And I was telling Karen that John and I are on location, so my lighting isn't perfect. But we're celebrating 22 years of marriage on Saturday. So we just uh, snuck away for a little while um, and to remember how we got all those loads of children that you saw dragging behind. <laughs> wow. 22 years. And how many kids again? We have seven children. Oh, Lord. I thought it was nine, 10, 11. Yeah, you always get Don't be changing the number. <laughs> That's all right. The only person I know had more is my grandmother. And my Tracy get mad at it. She didn't have 20 kids. They only had 15. I'm like, my bad. I'm sorry. 2015. I don't know. Back in the day. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and get started. I got, you know, a few canned questions for you. And for the people on the line, you know, please, as you hear the discussion, um, be thinking about what questions you want. Um, send them to the host. Send them to Karen, KD. And we're going to make sure that at the end, we give you a chance to ask your questions. One of the reasons why I wanted to spotlight interview, as I call it, um, Sister Cheek, is because she's one of the most humble person I know. And one thing, as you'll see, I just have a passion for people who do extraordinary things, very interesting people, yet some kind of way they find a way to stay close to the earth. I mean, they're very humble people. But, you know, since this evening, we're talking about Sister Cheek, your ministry and how you focus on women. You know, your ministry, Believing Wives, I, I consider that just to be a very interesting um, topic. But can you tell us a little bit about you and how long you've been married? I think you've got 22 years, you know, um, was it 12 children? But anything else you, you want to share from you? But let us know about you and let us know about Believing Wives. Um, so I'm from a small town in North Carolina. You're probably going to hear it in my voice. Um, and uh, I own that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Um, and I went off to school, North Carolina Central University, Equal Pride, um, and that's where I met my husband, and we dated for uh, uh, quite some time before we got married, so um, yes, to make an Equal Pride. Um, so we've known each other since 1999, um, I'm sorry, since 1996. Um, actually, Lord, I'm old, since 1992, we've known each other. We got married in 1992. And I'm glad he walked out so he missed me messing those dates up. Um, but our children um, range in age from our youngest is 13, but our oldest is about to be 28. Um, so we're wow. 
And we have a blended family. John had two children before we got married. So that's how we have seven, not eight, not 10, not 12. But, um, and so it was learning how to, to be a wife. And, and just, this, is, this is a challenging role um, that kind of led me to, to start Believing Wives. Um, just through the course of conversation with other wives and recognizing that I wasn't the only person struggling with some of the things that I was struggling with and just putting my thoughts out there and heart out there. And that's just how it all got started, being honest and transparent about my struggles and not ashamed of the craziness you know, that, that we went through and just learning and living. Well, you know, you mentioned um, shame and, and, and the thing is I consider you to be one of the most humble persons I know, right? As I was reading your blog and we're gonna share, um, um, if you guys don't mind, just putting the blog into the chat so that people can kind of check her out. But um, I remember reading one of your blogs and one of the titles just really struck me. It was like, I did not know how to be a wife. And I was like, whoa, she says the things that nobody is willing to ever say. And I'm like, there has to be some healing in that. But then more, more specifically, as I began to kind of click around and see things, I began to see even more things. And what I, as I read the blog, you talked about how you graduated top of your class and, you know, also voted, you know, most likely to see, you know, I was voted too. most, I was well-dressed. And, you of know, course, as you see my course. pops, you know what I mean? As you see a brother like me, don't let it fool you. You know, all of this being all this stuff, well, best dressed class of 1993. And, really? and that was on, you know, a very, very low budget. And I, I give y'all secrets later how I did it. But anyway, I digress. This ain't about me. So anyway, so I know what it's like to have expectations. Because even when I go home, people expect me to be well dressed and I'm still kind of casual. But what was it like graduating at the top of your class and, you know, voted, you know, most likely to succeed in addition to, something happened. Do you mind sharing that with the people? I don't mind sharing that. Um, so as Calvin said, small hometown, uh, graduated top of my class, went to school on a full scholarship, voted most likely to succeed. Um, but I came home right after graduating college pregnant. Um, and I mentioned I'm from a small Southern town. So you can imagine the um, shame that I felt, the shame that people made me feel, how I was the talk of the town. It was, it was hard, Calvin. It was tough. It, it, it messed up how I thought about myself. <laughs> it um, made me feel like th there was something wrong with me. Um, it, was, it was really, really tough. And I think it had lasting effects on mm -hmm. uh, my life, my marriage. It caused me to put a whole lot of... Uh, stress on others to make me feel okay because I felt like others had torn me down. And so um, dealing with all that, it made it hard to know how to uh, lead as a wife and do all the things that I was supposed mm -hmm. to do John and I got married. So it was, it was horrible. <laughs> I was pretty bad. You know, I'm bad. laughing. I'm laughing because I'm trying to ignore these comments, but yes, my buddy is. from high, high school is cutting up. So I don't know. I'm going to say something to him. Gave him a hard time. So he has been getting me back ever since. But I uh, was sorry about that. But yeah. It's okay. So, you know, and that's one of the things that I dis discovered, you know, and I kind of, you know, as I watch you and watch your ministry, it's almost like you're ministering to people who are like you. You don't come from a place of shame. You don't come from these other places. You just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's almost like 
you know, you're, you're their girlfriend. It's like, you know, you're not like some pastor, whatever. I mean, explain that to me. Do you think like that's a part of your gift? I mean, because it seems humble down to earth. Do you think that's your gift or, you know, what is that? You know, I, I wish I had it, you know, but, but I've never been able to do that. You know, people are like, I don't know what's wrong with that guy. He got a bad attitude, you know, but I never have that thing. But what is it for you? I don't know that it's, it's a gift. I, my, maybe the way I deliver the message might be uh, mm -hmm. part of my gifting, but I think just the humility, I, I think I have to keep things in perspective because I know where I came from, like, mm -hmm. and struggle. And I talk to people like that, my girlfriends, because I think sometimes we create this atmosphere in church um, that really keeps people away from God. <laughs> like, it, 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 he's, we should really kind of invite him into this everyday life thing, and we treat it like you've got to be perfect, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. Um, to, to even qualify. Well, clearly I didn't qualify, not according to, to the standards of the church I came from. I got pregnant before I was married. Like I was kind of ostracized and they even wanted me to come and apologize to the church mothers as if I had done something to them. Um, oh. so there was a lot. So I, I have this uh, determined purpose to, to make you know, Christ just real to people because that's what he did. Walk among people and, and talk. He didn't condemn them and beat them down, you know. So I don't think it's necessarily a gift. Um, I think maybe how I deliver it might be a gift, but I just think it's, it's a trait more than anything or a characteristic okay. part of my my demeanor. Um, and I actually think you're pretty humble. I think. Oh, thank you. Things that you're strong about. But overall, I think you're a pretty humble guy. And I can thank certainly you. best dressed. I'll <laughs> <laughs> accept that best dress part. Well, you, you know, it, it, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, I, I really believe, you know, in part of my spiritual walk when, you know, I went through some things in life. And one of the things I had to remember about myself is that my personal power came through my humbleness. It didn't come through the other stuff. You know, it didn't come through all of that supernatural. And I begin to look at my life. I begin to look at where I felt the greatest, where I achieved the most, where I was in the greatest place in life. I said, Calvin, that came all through humbleness. That come from, you know, being honest with yourself, falling on your face, just, you know, praying, not knowing what tomorrow's going to come from. Right, and, right. you know, that's where my greatness came from. So as a result, I've learned to really appreciate humbleness because, you know, sometimes people may see it as a weakness or other stuff. Right. And I've learned there is power in humbleness. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important to me. So I appreciate those kind words because that very <laughs> is important to me. So this is a long question. I'm just going to read it because it's kind of long. But, um, you know, um, let, let me read it and then you can kind of tell me what you think. You are an ordained minister who has had many roles in the church. When did you decide to better listen to the calling that um, you were receiving to minister to wives? Did you approach your um, this calling this um, with a response where heart were you uh, were you like a little like uncomfortable maybe like you know Jonah did you try to flee you know what was your um, response when you began to feel this? Um, uh, my initial response was a lot like Jonah. Um, I thought of all the reasons why certainly I didn't qualify to help anybody else. I, I could list all my failures and all my weaknesses and all the areas I needed somebody to help me. So I spent quite a bit of time going, nope, nope, I'll, I'll do behind the scenes. I'll work behind the scenes. I'll work 20 different roles as long as nobody has to, you know, call my name. But I started seeing the, the needs of people who were like me 
and how I felt they weren't being addressed. It's kind of like sometimes people ask a question, if you're in a room and a lot of people are crying, whose cry will you hear? Um, I began to hear the cry of people who were, who were like me and I felt like I had learned some things, maybe some hard lessons that just I could tell them practically. I think when I um, talk to people or when I teach people, I try to just make it practical application, something when you leave this conversation, you can go take one step towards whatever you need to do. And I started seeing fruit from that. I started seeing, you know, people growing and learning and maybe some burdens lifting um, based on those conversations. And so because I didn't have to do it a certain way, it made it easier once I finally said, oh, okay, this means something. This matters. People are being helped. Um, I don't have to do it like anybody else does it. I don't have to, you know, fit a box. I can just help people. I can help them whether I'm at work. Um, whether I see them in the grocery store or I'm at church, you know, so I, I feel freedom in it. Well, you know, you, you remind me um, in your response to freedom of this. It's, it's a concept, but it's, you know, it's one that keeps coming back to me. They say, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. And it seems some kind of way in your ministry, you found an opportunity to be yourself, to, to not to, you know, live up to whatever stereotypes or expectations or roles that others may have. But, you know, I believe that your power comes from being yourself, but it seems like in your ministry, you're allowed to be yourself. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's one of the hardest things I've ever gained, but I think it's the best thing I've ever gained. It was very hard. You, you met me you know, in church. And so I knew how to do what was expected of me, show up, <laughs> do this, fit this role. And so once I realized that I felt con constricted, um, and that there was something more I needed to be doing, it was difficult for me to kind of make some shifts and changes. And it was uncomfortable for others because I was always saying yes. I was always agreeing. Oh. And when I had to start saying no, um, it became difficult for people, but it, it, it grew me up. It helped me mature to have to say um, no. I, I, I equate it to, you have a son, um, he's your responsibility. You're not going to put your son in somebody else's hands to take care of while you go take care of somebody else's child. And I feel like that's what I was doing. I was helping other people build, you know, take care of their baby. But the thing that I was supposed to be doing, I was leaving unattended. And once I started looking at it that way, it helped me to shift and say, you really do need to minister to these wives. You need to help them. You need to um, prevent them, if you can, from going through the crazy stuff that you went through in just a very down-to-earth, practical way. So, well, well, I'm glad you did, because there is definitely, you know, healing in that, there's opportunity in that. And my next question is, you know, it's kind of political, so I just want to put you on the spot a little bit. So, you know, as you may know, sometimes in women ministries, you know, people can perpetuate or promote that a husband's expectations of a wife, you know, and kind of like this, you know, submission type thing. But, you know, and, you know, you got newer generations that come, such as, you know, the Gen X, the, you know, millennial generation, where submission is a horrible word. You know, I'm curious, you know, with you, it seems like you've taken maybe a non-traditional approach, but I'm cu curious about your perspective. Is submission bad? But what is your opinion about that? And what are your words about, you know, your approach? And, you know, because submission and wives and a man's expectation, a lot of times that's perpetuated. Hey, you know, do this thing. It'll make you husband happy, you know, submit and things like that. What's your perspective on that? Um, I have spent a lot of time studying that word because people do view it as such a horrible, horrible thing. I think the problem is we teach from tradition instead of what 
God is actually saying. So we teach submission as if it's obedience or as if it means you lose your mind and you can no longer think or you don't bring anything to the table. When submission really means that I get under the mission for this family. Like what is the, what are we what are we working towards? And I always tell people when you get married, it's kind of late having the submission conversation. We need to talk about that before we ever say I do. And what does this mean? And help us understand that because the Bible actually says we're supposed to submit one to another. We, we don't talk about that traditionally because that may not be the point of view we're trying to bring to the table. But we're supposed to submit one to another and not just one person submitting all the time. And so I'm not against biblical submission. Uh, I, I have a hard time with subservience. I have a hard time with I'm better than you. But biblical submission is we're both working together for the mission that, that God has for this family. What, what are we trying to accomplish? I think every union should have something that we're trying to accomplish, whether it's raising these children, raising these children and being entrepreneurs and having this business, uh, raising these children or not having children or doing missions. There's, there should be some impact that we're having. And we have to think, what is the mission for our family? I'm certainly going to get under and push that because here's the thing, Calvin, we push the mission of these companies we work for. We push the mission of, you know, these organizations that we're part of. We don't have a problem getting behind that. And many of us, and, and lots of times when I, John and I are talking to couples, the husbands see their wives submitting in church and then coming home and like not even going to get you a drink out of the refrigerator. Like <laughs> we have polar opposites sometimes. So we have to put it in perspective and really say, okay, what does this mean? Not what did I hear growing up? Wow. Yeah. I, I seen some <laughs> comments popping up. I, I didn't read them because I'm going to try not to read the comments, but you know, I'm sure you're going to get some questions on your perspective of submission. You know, I, I do love what you've said because for me, naturally, I've never, it never made sense to me, right? Submit to one another. That makes sense. Submit to one another. That's practical. And, but, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, sometimes even I look at, you know, my guy friends and I look at people and I just never understood where that comes from. But like you said, sometimes, you know, there's some history, there's some tradition, there's other things. But yeah, I can see some questions kind of stewing um, in the comment. Oh, but let me go, keep going. There's something you want to add to I was, was going to say, if I could just add this, think about what is compromise. In, in general, when two people compromise on something, that means that I'm giving in in some way you're giving in. It's, both of us are submitting to something so that we can come to a common understanding. And we typically don't have any problem coming to compromise with people that we say we love. But if you use that word submission, it just gives a different context. So I think we have to just shift how we've thought about it. And, and we have to have honest conversations with the people we're saying I do too, so that these things aren't surprises um, after the wedding day. You know, and, and I like what you say. And, and another thing you said, it just, you know, you reminded me is that if you marry or if you're getting married, you're kind of having that discussion or understanding way late in the game. It's, it's <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean, there's so... <laughs> I don't know what the courtship process is, but if you're there, you didn't miss a whole bunch of opportunity to figure that out. But um, yeah, I'm going to go to the next question because <laughs> I, I want to get the discussion because something tells me the discussion tonight is going to be live. Um, the next question, often women can feel ashamed about um, what they are going through. And once, you know, if they choose to share with their church family, they can feel left feeling even worse. Can you tell us about 
how you use the Bible to encourage, guide, and direct with love. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the one thing that, that Christ says he is, is love. And, and sometimes people have been turned off and pushed away by the very people who should um, bring them closer. But I can find verses for, I mean, you think about it, even the woman caught in adultery. He didn't stone her like everybody else, all the leaders wanted to do. He was like, hey, listen, we're your accusers because all of us have, well, he hadn't, but all of them had, had messed up and done things they weren't supposed to do. And so I think when we go back to the actual scriptures and see what Jesus did, what he said, how he treated people, um, it just helps us see things so much um, more clearly. And so I definitely, you know, we have a Bible study with Believing Wives and, and it's not necessarily to fix marriages because that takes two people, but it is to help wives kind of get a clear understanding of what our roles are. Because like you uh, mentioned, I didn't know how to be a wife when I got married. I thought I did, um, but I really didn't. It's, it was on the job training like nobody's business. So I try to give people the tools so they don't have to make those mistakes, but they're biblical to, tools. And so we say, well, what, did, what does God say? And many times what we find Calvin is what God said. It's not what people say. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know that's a that's a very powerful thing. Um, spending having spent a lot of time in the Bible, I'm often for me, I didn't start going to church until it wasn't later. I would say about twelve years old, but I didn't have a lot of history. But but then I began as I came of age to study the Word. You know, the study of the Word, I began to really really struggle with it. I'm like, wait, the Word says this. People are doing this over here. And, and then, you know, I often tell people, I'm like, just, just read the book, you know, because <laughs> the stuff that people find themselves struggling with may not even be in the book, or it's a misinterpretation, or it's some people behavior that's not in the book. So, you know, right. it, it's very interesting, but I, I like your approach, and I like where you're going, because you're right. If you just use the Bible to encourage and support, then there's a lot of opportunity to show the people love, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to pause there, but I... I Thank you for that, because you definitely mm -hmm. um, um, blessed me with some, some good memories there. So, um, but before I go to the next question, you mentioned your um, woman's Bible study. Um, mm -hmm. And if we can find it, uh, I want to share it in the link so that um, the people here can follow up with you. I want to share two things. Can we share her, um, her Instagram page? and um, her um, link to her, well, you can find it from the Instagram page. Yeah. We share the Instagram page. Tell us about your um, women's um, weekly Bible study and what day it's on and where the people can find you there. Oh, awesome. Uh, weekly on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we meet via Zoom. It's, I try to keep it very intimate um, because there may be something that someone wants to share that's, that's private. And so I, I always want to respect I don't, I don't like a Facebook live or anything of that nature. Um, but I'm on Instagram um, at, at the Believing Wife and Facebook is Believing Wives. So you can find us there. And if you go to Instagram, there's a link in my bio to um, website resources and certainly the Bible study that's held every week. And you said that's 7 p.m. on Tuesdays, you think? Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I try to keep it within an hour. I know, you know, life is full. So okay. Do an hour, kind of hour power kind of thing. Okay. So it seems like it's for, it's, it's for women, you know, it's, you know, kind of intimate. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a place you want to show up when, hey, if you got something heavy on your heart, 
you want to share, you got something you're struggling to, through, and you just yep. want to be around some good, wholesome people, no judgment. And no. okay. No, okay. no. We just share and, and let other wives know they're not alone. And it's not always I've been through this and they've been through that. And it's, it's not, we're not sitting around crying for an hour. You're here, lots of accomplishments, <laughs> lots of growth, lots of great things, but practical things. Sometimes it's, you know, he just won't put, his socks in the hamper. Why are they on the floor by the hamper? Sometimes it's just, you know, annoyances and, you know, keeping those things in perspective. So, yeah. I was reading one of your blogs and I think one of it said he, he, he won't do it my way. Is that an issue? You know, I mean, <laughs> I, do it my I, way. and me, you, you met my daddy. I mean, I don't do nothing nobody way. So good Lord, people be upset with me. I don't know what to do, but is that an issue? He won't do it my way. Uh, so many of the blogs you read, uh, D. Rich are are my personal things. So I had to write about the fact that John wouldn't do something my way and how I struggled. So you, we were talking about submission a moment ago. It wasn't even a big thing. Like, but I wanted my way, he wanted his. And I just kind of talked about how we have to handle that without it being a breakdown or a fight or we ended up in courtroom, you know, a year from now. Um, so yeah, it can be an issue because everybody wants their way sometimes. Okay, you telling us you telling us about you, but okay, <laughs> you said I, I ain't passed cheat all the time, but okay. So let's see, let's see here. Uh, next question, and then we'll get to the open. So for the people who are listening, um, do be thinking about your questions. Uh, if you want to um, unmute yourself, um, prepare and just unmute yourself, you can ask your question. If not, just type it in, send it to one of the administrators, and we'll make sure that your question is. Uh, um, vocalized. So tell us about your biblical coaching training and, and in support you provide in your believing wives ministry. I think you have a conference coming up. I know you have mm -hmm. your weekly Bible study and, mm -hmm. you know, we've just shared with people how they can interact with you, but you know, what are the various offerings you have? You know, you got a Bible study, you got a conference, mm -hmm. you know, you know, tell us about that. So I definitely have the Bible study. I do a retreat every year. Um, I do conferences as well. All of that you can find on my website. I even do one-on-one -on -one coaching um, with wives. I try to limit that because I believe um, in investing in people's lives. So I like to walk people through. Uh, Calvin, you know, I, I like I'm a personal, I want to talk to people. I want to, you know, enjoy them and spend time with them. And I want to see the growth. Um, so I've, I've started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching over the last year. Um, but you can reach out via messenger um, or send me an email through my website. Um, I, I answer people's questions all the time. I, I am available. Um, and I'm not one of those people that charges for everything they do. So when you send me a question, I'm just going to answer. And just go on, you know, about my way. Um, so any, on any social media platform or the Believe in Wild website, you can find me at any point in time. Okay, sorry about that. I was um, doing a mute of uh, someone. Um, uh, uh, but dating site or oh my goodness. Uh, let's see. Let's try muting again. Okay, if that person comes with me again, we probably gonna have to boot them out. So sorry about that. It's okay. Um, what what's your approach? And what's your thought about you know sometimes. A minister or you know a leader may not seem uh, I'm gonna have to kick him out. Uh, give me a second. Uh, let's see. And they're gone. So sometimes um, 
ministers or leaders can kind of seem unapproachable. You know, I don't know. It's like maybe they're on the pedestal stuff. I never understood it. But, you know, I mean, what, what's your take on that? I mean, it seems like you're very personal. You're more down to earth. I mean, do you think that that supports your ministry, you know, being more down to earth and being approachable? I mean, what's your take on that? I think the goal is to let people know they're not alone and that there's somebody to talk to. So certainly being approachable um, helps. I also think that there are several people in leadership positions in churches, the universal church, you know, who are kind of hard to reach. But I also wonder how much of that do we as people contribute to them thinking that they are um, almost over us to some degree. Um, so I do believe we, we all need to kind of come down to earth. Jesus walked with people like all sorts of people. Um, and so we don't have to try to separate ourselves so much that we can't reach them. Um, so I just have a, a, a passion for, for being with people. I think that's the purpose of us, you yeah. know, community. Um, so I, I think it's a definite issue. I wonder how much we contribute to it. And I do believe an asset of, of thriving uh, ministries and um, churches is being relatable. Yeah. Oh, wow. You surprised me with that. Because um, I would not expecting that response. But I, I feel it. You know, I feel it so hard, you know, because I often talk to people about, you know, who do we put on pedestals, right? You know, do we put, you know, our, our mom, our dad, our brother, our sister, our pastor, you know, which people we put on pedestals? Because, you know, they're just essentially accepting the role we gave them. Right. And if we choose to put them on the pedestal, then let's say if they're going to, you know, respond to that. But, yeah, that definitely, you know, requires me to kind of do some thinking. But it seems like, uh, I don't know, it's like even, you know, I'm thinking I've been guilty. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, um, sister, minister, pastor, devil, G. And she'd be like, Calvin, whatever, for real. I mean, <laughs> what you want? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I feel convicted. <laughs> no, I, and, and I don't think, no, please. And I don't think that absolves them of responsibility. Like, okay. they, that doesn't absolve the, the leader of the accountability of saying, hey, wait, no, I'm just like you. You know, we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're equals here. Like, but I yeah. think. A, a du duality, you know, think traditionally, Calvin, I know that's not our normal default, but like our grandparents, like they just, the pastor was like God almost. Um, yeah. I, I believe there's respect, but I believe there should be respect for everybody. I think there should be honor for everyone. Yeah. Um, my husband used to say, you know, he, when he was talking to wives, he said, how will you trip over yourself to fix the pastor's plate, but you can't come home and fix the plate for your husband. That says, uh, oh my goodness! John actually said that. That's not like something oh yes, to say. John, you know, John says almost anything. Uh, uh, oh, well, I wish I could say anything that comes to my mind. Anyway, wait. Well, yeah, I thought he was gonna stop by and say hi. It was, but we got here late, and he's uh, going to get us some dinner. It's, it's, he's oh, what's Bojang? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat whatever so, he brings back. <laughs> whatever he brings back. Um, Okay, well, um, I got one last question, then we're going to open it up. So, um, Katie and uh, Tamika, if you get ready. Um, let's see here. Can you tell us a bit about why you chose to um, expand your ministry by writing books? Also, tell us about your newest book, Undivided, and what is it about it and how, you know, they can purchase it? Well, I already know because you gave us that answer, but if we can put in the chat 
um, where they can find that book. But tell us about your latest book, Undivided, and why you chose to expand your ministry through um, writing. That's a really, really great question. I think I've been um, I've been writing like journaling for as long as I can re remember. My um, academic area of strength was math. Like I, I majored in math, I have a degree in math, and I went on to teach math. Um, but I, I always wrote to kind of get my thoughts out to to process. You know, some people process verbally. I process by writing, and I started. Um, then I started like sending uh, texts. Um, of encouragement to people just randomly and I noticed that my texts were getting kind of long <laughs> and so uh, people would say hey send me that text or why don't you send me that text and at the next logical step someone was like why don't you put them all in a book um, and so I was like oh I never thought about that and so I, I put them all um, I start. I wrote my first book and it was well received um, and I thought this makes sense because I can't reach I can't sit down and have a conversation with everybody who I think might, I, I would love to talk to, but maybe there's a message they can hear if it's just one thing um, that might be beneficial to them. And so that led to some books and that led ultimately to the question you just asked me about undivided. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about pieces of this conversation that we're having right now, Calvin, about how we, we separate God from everything. Like on Sundays when I go to church, that's when I think about God. Um, and I think that uh, contributes to the religious mindset that we have to jump through all these hoops to do all these things. When God is like, I, I'm here all week, all the time, and I don't need a special service or performance for us to engage in conversation. And so Undivided is about like uniting our lives, not having all these different compartments and, and, and making this relationship so hard. It's just about oneness with him in a very real, practical, just think about it. Um, kind of way. Um, I just think it's, it's about fostering that relationship. Um, I think rules and regulations have their place. I think there's some things that we need to have parameters around. I just don't think a relationship with Christ is one of those that we put so many walls around that we keep everybody out. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm loving it. And even your, your, your title, your subtitle, what, what is it again? It's um, uh, Undivided. Uh, uh, remind me of again. United. And your life is may your heart be united and your life undivided. I mean, as I read that, you know, um, Katie was telling me, hey, that's her marketing. That's a trademark. I'm like, but it's so beautiful. Right. And I just love it. Right. So, you know, so so bless you for, you know, doing that. And thank you for being here and, and going through these standard questions. But I really want to get the discussion going because that's where we really have a good time. So what I'm going to do is open up the mic and um um, give others who are here. Um, there's two topics that we haven't addressed, and and I'm sure somebody in the audience have it. But you know, there's a lot of relationship coaches out there. I ain't gonna go there. I've seen your post already. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, and you know, it's like he cheated. You know, but now what, right? And, and, and I've often felt that people get stuck, but there's something else there. So um, I'm pretty sure people are going to have some questions about that. In addition, you know, that other statement that, you know, all of these type of topics um, came from your blogs that you wrote. Another one was, I didn't know how to be a wife, which a very beautiful and humbling thing that I think a lot of people are afraid to say. So, you know, bless you for being able to say that, because I know I always tell people that healing is so um, exponential 
to that thing we can be honest and sincere about. But let's open it up for the questions. So what do we got? One came in directly to me and the question is, how do you balance being a good wife, your ministry, a mom, a friend, and et cetera, because the balance is a struggle? <laughs> that is a question I get so often. Um, I gave up balance a long time ago. And I, before you, you get upset about that, uh, I, I exchanged it for priority. I think you can only balance things when they weigh the same. And the things in our lives don't weigh the same. My family and my children don't weigh the same as hanging out with my friends. It doesn't mean I never hang out with my friends. I do I have a lot of great friendships, but I have to balance it um, so that I'm not, um, I have to prioritize it, excuse me, so that I'm not trying to put everything at equal um, position. There have been times in my life where my husband felt like everything came before him. And to be honest, um, it, because I was trying to do so many other things and I had to take a step back and say, okay, what's, what's the priority here? What, what is the order? There's an order that, that has to take place. And if I get these priorities right, then I'll be able to give more, I'll be able to give more of my authentic, authentic self, my, my, my good self, not the um, what's left over to them. So I had to learn how to prioritize. You probably have seen has seen the have seen the object lesson where a professor has a jar and he puts the big rocks in and asks is it full, then he puts some smaller rocks in, then he pours sand in. Well, the only way you get it to maximum capacity is if you do the big rocks first. So I had to learn to give up balance and instead choose priority. And that means today's priority may be different from next week's priority. And, and that's okay. For me this weekend, my priority is rest. I can't prioritize that seven days a week. But this weekend, rest with me and my husband is, is, is not. I still love my kids. I still love <laughs> that I minister to. I, I don't feel less than. I'm not going to call them every hour and see how they're doing. I'm going to prioritize spending time with my husband because he doesn't get full attention like he should all the time. But we've talked enough that we know how to you know, communicate and say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, this is going to be a full week on Sunday night. We're like, Hey, this is going to be a full week. I've got this. He's got that. Uh, but we definitely need to sit down on Thursday when both of us have some time and just check in or, or whatever the case may be. We had to do a whole lot more of that when our kids were younger. You heard me say how many we have, but prioritize y'all. That sounds so great, but it is, it's elusive. It's elusive. Prioritize. Awesome. I, I, I love that. I love that. More, more questions. Let's um, get some people unmuted because I want to hear the people talk because I know we got some shy people, but everybody ain't shy. Who else we got? I know AK Free got some thoughts. She actually got a, a session this weekend that um, I got to make sure that um, uh, I let her speak to, but uh, it's actually on the topic of cheating. So AK Free, you know, um, feel free to unmute yourself and talk to us. Who else got some questions? Oh my goodness, I can't believe everybody's that quiet. Um, 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 Kelvin? Uh, oh, that's Earl. I, I know that voice. Go ahead, Earl. <laughs> well, um, I am so proud of you, Miss um, Clark. I'm so very proud of you. Why am I so proud of you? Because you went to Central. 
<laughs> North Carolina Central. And I met Calvin that's on the street. I met Calvin in White Rock Baptist Church down the road. The clean cut guy, quiet, you know, clean cut high beamer. I met him at White Rock Baptist Church. It don't tell you about my my, my company <laughs> man days, you know. I, I'm natural. I'm, I'm, I'm bohemian. I just do whatever I do. Don't tell people I used to be a company man. You know. So I I have four kids, okay, and your first is my third. My third child is, is 29 this year. I have four wow. kids, and so my third child I had it in California. And my wife and I, when I met her, when I met her, I knew she was the one, because I, I live in California. Many years work as an engineer, and one day she called and said, "I think I'm pregnant." And, I, I, and of course, I was very happy, really. I did, she didn't see me on the other side of the phone, but I was working as an engineer and she's a doctor. We were established. We know we took care of the kids. And so it's none of his business. I didn't care about what anybody feels. We were not married. However, you need a counselor. So I went to, uh, I, I went to a church which was uh, diverse and I went to the associate minister and I told him that, listen, Maxine is pregnant. Can we do the wedding next year. She said, no. He said, what he said, why about now? What about now? So he got us, <laughs> so he got us married in his office. That was the best thing ever happened. So we need, we need counselor. And, and so we renew our vows to let the fall in here. And so that was the best thing that he sat us down and said, why are you wait? What are you waiting for? So he, he got us married right in his office. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so pleased to hear you talk. And of course, you know, I'm a deacon at my church. And the scripture you were talking about is uh, Jesus said, anyone amongst you uh, without sin, cast it for a stone. Yes. So, you know, I, I am very impressed uh, hearing from you. I'm so glad to, to be on the call to hear you. So all the best to you. Thank all right. you. And the best to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, and, and Earl, check the chat. Um, you can share um, her link and um, information with Maxine. I'm sure she'll enjoy it. Tell her I said hi, by the way. Sure, sure. Okay, let's see here. Yeah, get a few more. Um, There's another question to... that came directly to me. Okay, go ahead. So it says, they want to know, do you minister to single women? Because you've touched on so many common things that this person um, is resonating with them with their own journey in religion. So, Yes, um, not, not um, as formally. <laughs> um, but yes, yes, I do. The truth of the matter is I minister to anyone, um, <laughs> anyone, um, but I'm particularly drawn to women. Um, my husband and I together talk to singles, couples, married people. He's even come and talked to, spoken to my wives, um, plenty of times. So yes, I do, um, talk to women, uh, single women quite often. Um, I want to save them from some of the stuff that I love. <laughs> I do see a question in the chat that I can address if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. How can you teach women to not put themselves last? Um, Ooh, I, that's a deep one right there. It is. And you hear the things like um, you can't pour from an empty cup and you can't. Mm -hmm. Um, but Jesus or God said, you know, love your neighbor, Jesus, as you love yourself. And so think about that. How do you love yourself? How would you love your neighbor? Um, and so you have to really, I talk a lot to them about, um, self-care being soul care. So it's not always that we're getting our nails and, 
uh, feet done and having our massages. I love those. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it's rest that you need in order to think clearly. Sometimes it's you know, that uh, extra time you sit in your car before you walk into your house uh, that you need to think clearly. Sometimes you just need to have a night away. Sometimes you need to soak in the tub a little longer. Sometimes you need to go talk to somebody because you have a, a, a issue that might be a little deeper. But I certainly teach women uh, biblically um, not to be selfish, but Jesus took time away from the crowd. He took time away from everybody pulling on him. And sometimes as wives, men as well, but uh, it typically resonates more with wives that they're being pulled you know, in so many different directions as we were just speaking about balance. And we need to prioritize getting what we need, hearing what we need to hear, getting clarity, because the truth, when we're in a fog, uh, we, we're not helping anybody. And I, I taught the wives not too long ago, maybe last year or so, overwhelmed is the cry, of, the cry of the distracted. And what I mean by that is we say we're overwhelmed, but the problem is we're distracted by too many things. We're, 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 we're here, we're there, we're everywhere, and we need to stop. And we need to prioritize our no's just as much as we do our yeses. Um, because every yes costs us saying no to something else. And so I definitely teach a lot about um, self-care priorities. Um, what's going to help me be the best that I can be, um, not just for my husband, but because th this is, I have to steward this well for God. I, got, I can't just take care of my kids and my husband and not take care of me. Um, so I talk a lot about it. And I always am going to tie back a biblical... <laughs> Uh, perspective. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know um, while we get the next question, I know um, something you said earlier made me really um, think about that concept is that early on in the church, you said you were doing things, right? And you wanted to be kind of like, you know, not on, you know, um, I guess sometimes maybe on the front line, I don't know. You know, and there's often this conversation about boundaries, right? You know, what it means to establish boundaries. And I heard you say earlier, you went from saying some yeses to no's. Did you, did you feel in your walk that you, you know, had to start establishing boundaries or shifting from that giver, you know, to maybe, you know, self-care is an interesting topic because, you know, sometimes people can feel like they're being selfish, you know, in self-care. Right, right. But, you know, I'm, but it seems like you got, a, a, you know, a story there somewhere where you, when you switch from saying yes to no's. Yes. <laughs> yes, all the time I had no boundaries. And, and, yeah. and honestly, um, Calvin, I at first I think I got some affirmation and validation from it. Um, just being honest. I, I was coming, you I told you about, you know, how I felt back home and you know the stigma and the shame that I had to battle my way through. And so once I got involved uh in the church you met me at. Um, and I, you know, you saw me doing different positions. I felt some affirmation in that. I felt value in those things. I felt like I was needed. Um, during that time in my marriage, John and I were in a good place, but he was working at night. Um, and so I felt almost like a single parent a lot of the time because I worked in the day, he worked at night. Um, and so it kind of filled a void for me, at, but it, it wore me out. And then I started getting upset, but it was like, wait a minute, who are you mad at? You make your own schedule. Like, like you did this. <laughs> yeah. You did this to you. You allowed this. Um, and so when you're trying to take back ground that you lost, it's very uncomfortable, not just for you, but for the people who are accustomed to your yes. 
But like I just said, I realized every time I told them yes, saying no to my family, or I was saying no to responsibilities at home, or I was saying no to something else that I was supposed to be taking care of. And I, I realized that I had to establish some boundaries. And that's fine because God established boundaries, you know, that you can go here and no further. That boundaries are a good thing. Um, it was very difficult. It looked like rebellion sometimes, but it was mm-hmm. the most obedient to God that I'd ever been. And I think it set me up to be in the place that I am right now. Now, I, my no's weren't nasty. They were just no. And I had to learn to give no without explanation. I had to learn to just have a solid no and, and keep it moving. I'll never be rude. I, I hope I've never come off as rude to, to you or, or to Mika. I, that's just not my default. I'm not going to yell or, or scream. But I, I learned, I found my voice and I learned how to say no and, and move on. Um, and sometimes it's, it's necessary for us to do that so that we can do what we're supposed to do rather than just what we're accustomed to doing or that yeah. um, phrase that, you know, well, no, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And, and once again, my husband helped me. He said, some of that probably just needs to fall. You're holding yeah. it up, but maybe it just needs to, to fall because you aren't able to do it. You know, maybe somebody else will, or this isn't a program that's needed. Um, so it was hard for me. <laughs> yeah. But once I got it, you know, I was like, whoo, and I'm determined to help everybody else that I can get it. Um, yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, you know, it's so so much in, in that answer, in that response, because I'm hearing multiple topics. I'm hearing self-care. I'm hearing boundaries. I'm hearing, yes, I'm hearing, you know, self-love, affirmation. I'm hearing you know, sometimes people may say no to themselves because they want a, the yes gives them a certain type of acceptance and the acceptance is filling the void of, you know, this other stuff. Wow. Yeah. You know, that was all me. And, that, 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 and all that sounds like therapy and counseling and therapy and counseling, because I know when I was um, chatting with my counselor and he was telling me something about self-care. I'm like, I'm old school. I'm like, I got like 100 self-help books. What is this <laughs> self-care thing? Right. And, and I really knew it as a cliche. I knew it as a contemporary word. I knew everything about self-care because, you know, I had a bunch of books on it, but self-care was, you know, a little weird to me and it, you know, <laughs> but, you know, and I think that's a topic by itself, but let's switch to some more questions. I see a, a hand up. It doesn't tell me who, who raised their hand. It's so, Dion. Um, okay. Dion, you got a question. Go ahead, brother. Hey, Miss Cheek question for you. You've been married 22 years. Yeah. Kids, husband, how do you prioritize the husband children relationship because I have a lot of friends that who've been married and it seems like the wife tends to cater more to the kids and the husband gets left out. Can, can you deal with that for me? Oh, sure. Um, I, I absolutely can. I get asked that question a lot too. Um, if, if my husband is a priority, my children are going to have a better life. Um, that's, that's just my, my take on it. Um, we are a team. And I think sometimes we're trying to choose or, or cater to our, our children um, and meet every need they have. We're, we're missing part of this relationship that's supposed to help us raise these, these children um, that, that we're trusted with, that we're, we're, we're stewards over. Um, so I, you know, as I talked about earlier, biblical submission, you know, I, my husband is a priority, but here's the thing. I married a man who's never going to let my children go lacking. So these are all parts of conversations that we should be having 
prior to the I do, but sometimes we find ourselves in these situations and um, I, I'm guilty of that too because I was like, I got to take kids here, I got to do that and I was leaving nothing for my husband or I was making all the decisions. Like I was treating them like they were my kids and not our kids. And so there were times that I'd make decisions and I'd have, have schedules and he had no clue what I was, <laughs> what I was doing, where we're going to be. And uh, even when we were talking about how involved I was at church, I, I'm up and down the road at night, getting them up for school in the morning. And John's having conversations with me like, this isn't it. Like they can't be out all night. You, you've got to do something. We've got to do something different. And so if I have a healthy marriage, what I, what I want to do is model this for my, my children. I have sons and daughters. And I think if I show them a healthy marriage, if I show them what covenant is really supposed to be like, then they're going to want to attain that. They're going to see that mom and daddy hold hands and kiss. They're going to see that mom and daddy laugh and joke. They're going to see that when mom and daddy disagree, they're not fighting. They're going to see that they're on the same page. They can't play us one against the other because we're we're on the same page. And so we're going to talk about how these things need to move forward. Now, we haven't always done that, but 22 years in and older children, um, we just, we learn how to navigate that. So I think the spouse has to be the priority so that you can raise healthy children, but you, a spouse should never try to make you um, choose as if we don't love the children and the husband. Um, I hope I spoke to what you're, you're asking and, and answered it. Well, well you, you touched on uh, the premise of my question. Okay. But, but see, I know this is a uh, Calvin, but I'm more than the man. Uh, I didn't realize. Yeah, hold on, man. Calvin, okay. oh, go ahead. Down, Calvin. <laughs> down, Calvin. Let me ask my question. So, in the ministry, husband, kids, I'm speaking more to the need of the husband that tends to get neglect in the relationship when the wife and the kids become the kids become more of a priority. And and, and I'm not. Please don't think I'm neglecting that. I know. The mother's duty is overwhelming at many times, but I'm meaning uh, as far as the husband's need in that respect. Uh, Sister Cheeks. Are we talking about sex? Sex. Um, uh, and not, not so much as sex, but, you know, it's also the nonverbal sexual need, you know, really uh, ministering to the husband in a sense, the same way you would minister to the kids or to yes. the ladies that you uh, tend to. Absolutely. Time, attention, those types of things. It's those type of things. Yes, okay. ma'am. Yeah. I'm asking because I get questions about all of those. So I hope I wasn't embarrassing or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of straightforward because I get a lot. No, of no, I, I don't get embarrassed. I'm <laughs> <a country> boy. <laughs> I don't I don't know you. Uh, Deanna, so I was I was I was just making sure that I wasn't being offensive to you. Because um, I get questions about sex. I get questions of, you know, like, and time, because many times we've done so much outside of home that we, when we get home, we say, I'm, I'm tired. I just want to get home and go to bed. I've said I'm tired. I just want to get home and go to bed. It's funny because I did a post about this maybe last week or the week before um, where I said, I'm too tired. Um, and that was what I would say when I got home from dealing with church, or that's what I would say when I got home dealing from with um, my friends or whatever. And what my husband was hearing was I was too tired for him. And so it took him saying that to me for me to um, get it. But he also says this, 
if when you tell me you're too tired, you also need, let's talk about what do you need help with? Because you think that I wouldn't help you, you know, if, if it's going to lift your load. Um, so I think there's some responsibility on both parts to talk about what this, this looks like. I, I think my husband's supposed to be a priority, but I was putting him last. I'm just telling you my situation. And when I, I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about last year or two years ago. I'm talking about, you know, earlier on, but it took me a long time to realize that that was what I was doing. So I had to learn to prioritize him. I had to learn to keep this, this a healthy marriage because when I don't prioritize him, what I'm doing is creating space. I'm creating distance between us and anything can fill that space. And because I'm neglecting it, I don't get to choose what fills it. Now, I don't believe we cause um, uh, infidelity or any of that stuff. I'll never blame somebody for a personal choice, but we create conditions that can make the husband want to work more instead of being at home or hang out with guys more instead of being at home. And one of the things my husband said to me, I'm going to take a slight right, and I promise you I'm going to come back. One of the things my husband said to me that was, has stuck with me for years, he said, um, as a male, um, Deborah, and as more specifically as a black male, this is what he said to me. He's, he's kind of a big uh, guy. And he, when people meet him, he, he looks intimidated, but he, he's really a teddy bear. Um, that we get rejected all day long. He says, I walk by cars and I hear the doors lock. He said, you know, I see how people look at me sometimes like, like I'm, a, he said this years ago, I'm not talking about 2020, 2021. He said, the last thing I want to do is come home and be rejected by my wife. How do you think it makes me feel when I walk through the door and you say no to me or you're too tired to me? And I'm not just talking about sex, but you, you get on the phone with your friends instead of sitting in here, spending time with me. Like, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking that. So I wasn't being intentional in my rejection of him, but I also wasn't being intentional in my, my relationship with him either. And so it took him checking me on that and calling me on that to bring my attention to it. So I think I know that I'm, he's supposed to be a priority for me and I'm supposed to be a priority for him. And I have to be intentional about it because when I let anything else take that place, I'm, I'm, I'm contributing to this marriage breaking breaking down and our distance and and I don't want that and I was thankful after you know I cried and got my feelings hurt that he told me <laughs> that, that that's what it looked like because that's what it was and I needed to hear that and so I think the problem is sometimes we suffer in silence or we only say it when we're frustrated like we, we were in the heat of the moment trying to say I'm not a priority and da, 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 da. what we're doing is talking around it instead of saying what what really is going on so I think there's a, a dual responsibility to ensure that we're both each other's priority. But I mean, if we say it so much as cliche, communication is, is the linchpin for all of this. And, and not just talking, but really talking about what's going on. I think that's one of the things about the, the, the ministry I have. I'm going to have the hard conversation because if, if the church, the body isn't doing it, who's, who's doing it? We should be. Right. We should be having the conversations about sex. We should be having the conversations about finances. We should be having the conversation about raising children. We should be we, there shouldn't be anything that's off limits for the person that you, you look at every day, that you sleep with every night, that knows the number on that scale. There should be nothing off limits for us to, for us to have a candid conversation about. So, yes, I think that uh, we should prioritize our husbands. I believe husbands should prioritize wives. And I think we should really talk about what does that look like? Because my husband doesn't need me 
sitting in the living room with him, you know, every day. But he def definitely does want me to be intentional about spending time with him. And sometimes I go sit with him while he watches football. Not my favorite thing to do, but because I'm with him, it means something to him. But he also does the things that I like to do. Um, so yeah. I hope that more specifically got to what you were saying, Dion. Well, I mean, you, you definitely said a lot of things that I was thinking. Dion, you still there? Um, hopefully um, she addressed your question, um, but let's move to another question. So thanks for that. And I just want to kind of recap it while we get the next question on deck is that there's so much you said, uh, Sister Cheek, and as you, you you spoke, I mean, I love the way you bring balance to it. You know, you talk about, you know, submitting to one another. You said it's not just about the wife, you know, being tired. It's about, hey, let's back that up. You know, how did it get to that place? Was there some needs? Was there some help? And then let's back it up more. Is the conversation open? Are we talking, right? So if you're not talking and you're tired and, you know, the needs are being met, it, oh, my goodness, it's just it's a train wreck. It's, it's a traffic jam. And it's just a lot going on. But thank you for peeling back that onion because there's a lot in that one. And it's um, dual responsibility, but there's a lot in that one. Let's jump to another question. I'm going to um, um, play a little music. I got some, uh, some, some good gospel music I'm going to play us out with. And um, I don't know if we got anybody that prays. I was hoping my, my brother uh, BG would be on tonight to close us out with a nice prayer, but I don't see him. But, you know, maybe we'll get um, someone else to pray us out. But let's um, get a, a few more questions. And then, you know, I got a... Uh, Go ahead. Who is that? That's uh, Stevenson. Oh, that's a, uh oh, what's up, pretty girl? That's my favorite cousin. Miss Cheek, uh, you hit a good point. But what I want to ask you is, what if you mentioned it numerous of times? Like, what if you had this conversation numerous of times and it's still not getting through? Like, what do you do next? Um. Well, I think it depends on what the conversation is about. Because, I mean, I told you I've been married 22 years. I've repeated several conversations. But total transparency, my husband has to, you know, <laughs> please don't think I'm perfect. I'm a mess. I, I've told you my whole life story. So I think it, what is it that we're talking about? Is this a, a bedrock of our relationship? Then, If this is a big thing that we need to talk about, we've got to come to some kind of resolution. And if we can't come to a resolution, we've got to come, I've got to come to a decision. Right. So there's some things that, okay, I'm going to say this one more time. Or, okay. We're going to talk about it one more time. Or, okay. You know, if this isn't a life or death type thing, like when I was talking about the socks and the hamper, this isn't life or death. It's a, yeah. I'm listening. I'm tired of it, but you know what, if it's going to keep peace in my house, let me just pick this sock up and go on about my business. But if it's about, um, uh, uh, we're not doing. We're not on the same page with our finances, or we're not on the same page uh, as it relates to intimacy, or it's not. We're on the same page as you know the big things that we need to talk about. That we've got to either come to some kind of resolution, or we each have to make some decisions. Does Does that make sense? Now, I, I don't tell people to leave their husbands uh, willy nilly. Um, so I'm not saying that, but I'm saying. Each of us has to decide what am I able to continue with and what am I not? Um, is this something that's a deal breaker for me? Am I in jeopardy, whether that's physically, mentally, <laughs> or emotionally? Am I in danger uh, in this situation? And how can I move forward? Sometimes we think we 
I want something different, but I don't even know how to say it. Or I want us to like, let's talk about what this would look like if it changed. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I don't have a specific answer for you, Ms. Johnson, because it does depend on like, what is it? I want you to take me out. Um, maybe yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, spending time. Like you work all day and you just want to sleep, just sleep, uh, you know, like two days out of a week, spend time three days, go to bed. If you're tired, you know, that's, that's right. my big thing. Right. Um, I, I, I get that. Cause when my husband was working at night. It was like, he's off two days. And one of those whole days, I felt like he slept the whole day away. And by the time the next day came, it was either something that needed to be done or somebody that needed something. Um, and I would fuss and I would argue. But one of the things that I started doing was trying to create, I was like, okay, so he can't do it. Let me just figure out, let me just carve out this one hour. I was like, hey, babe, I did this. It wouldn't be a movie because he'd go to sleep. Like I had to be creative. Because <laughs> he was going to go to sleep. So, you know, I, I stopped by the store and get his favorite thing or, you know, um, hey, let's run by here on our way home. Like I had to start getting creative and, and because he started enjoying that, then he started doing something. My talking to him about it wasn't going to change. it. Okay. So I had to figure out what what if because this was something that was so concerning to me and I had some compassion because he's trying to work and take care of our family and he's really sacrificing and he didn't just work at night. He drove an hour to get there and our home. So what can I do? Because I want this. I want us to spend this time together. Is there anything I can do for us to spend this time together? Because what I don't want to do is spend this day arguing when I'm already mad that we're not on the same page. Mm -hmm. So how can I in introduce a little peace in it? And sometimes it doesn't seem fair. And sometimes you're like, why I always got to be the one that doesn't? But what's it worth? We have to decide what, what is it worth? What's, what's this relationship worth? Am I willing to you know what? I got us some ice cream. We're just going to sit here at this table and eat ice cream. It don't have to be a trip to the, you know, Disney World. Just how can we slowly incorporate some of these things and um, just, just see maybe, Miss Stevenson, how, how that goes. Thank you. Mm, that's all right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, let's see. What other questions we got? Do we have any more questions that popped up in the chat? I got to give shorter answers, Calvin. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. I, I like you. You talk like me, girl. You tell a story. <laughs> and I like stories. There was um, one There was one from a while ago from Summer, and she asked, do you suggest women seek counseling before and after marriage? Absolutely. Yes, 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 and yes. And not the crazy counseling that John <laughs> got where you just meet one time, you know, with somebody and then you get married. Like, seriously, I think... I think people need to talk through situations. When, when we're getting married, you know, all those hormones are going and we're, you know, dazed and confused and blinded by love. And that's not a bad thing. But love is more than that emotion. And so you need to learn, like, what's going to happen when he gets upset? What's going to happen when she um, isn't feeling well? How is this thing going to work? Because we commit to and covenant to all these things that we don't ever think are going to happen. And so we need to talk about it. How often do they want to be intimate? How much money is, an, is okay for us to spend without talking to each other? Like we really need to kind of go through these things so he's not flipping out or she's not flipping out over something that you didn't even talk about. So I, yes, counseling um, before, during, 
how, as much as, as people need it. I just think. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I mean, I take the microphone, but every time I speak, the camera switches. So um, were, were you done speaking on Sister G? Okay. Well, you know, I just want to, um, let me, let me spotlight you so we can uh, uh, all say thank you. Um, I just want to say thank you for um, being here tonight. Um, we're going to hang out probably for another 20, 30 minutes. We're going to listen to some music. But I know, you know, you got your um, evening plan. I commend you. Look like you somewhere on an island somewhere at the beach. So, you know, you're doing, you're, you're not just preaching it. You're actually doing it. You're making time. And, and, and it's awesome that you started with that conversation because it came up tonight. And, you know, I just want to thank you for being here because, you know, you know, sometimes people feel like therapy. I'm, I'm a fan of therapy and counseling. Right. I've, I've always been. And, you know, coming from where I came, I just had to figure some things out, some really tough things. But when I really got into it, I discovered it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that complicated. Tonight, our conversation has been therapy. You know, tonight, this has almost been a group session. Right. But, you know, the ability to talk and ability to get things out, you know, and sometimes, you know, you run into a, a dead end. So for my favorite cousin, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're just in a deadlock and those things is, and you didn't try ice cream and tried everything, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to get another opinion. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you for being so vulnerable tonight, for sharing your life and giving us an opportunity just to look at the world through your eyes, through your lens, for being humble, for being down to earth and not you know, coming in, you know, some holier thou are type person, because, you know, I, I know what that means, right? And, you know, I've never been that person, but, you know, it really allows me to hear what you're saying and I can digest what you're saying because I can feel it. I feel a conviction in your, in your words. I feel the passion and that's very meaningful to me. So thank you for being here tonight. And, you know, y'all make sure y'all go check out her latest book, um, um, Undivided. Um, give, give me that tagline again, Undivided. You know, your heart united and your life undivided. Your heart undivided. Yeah, that, that it's fancy. I love it. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon. So I just want to, you know, bless you with, um, you know, those things. And, you know, we're going to definitely um, stay in touch and, you know, make sure next time um, we're in North Carolina, we're going to make sure we look you up and catch up with Brother John, tell him I said hi. So Absolutely. for the rest of y'all, you know, um, hang loose. We're going to play a few songs and have a good time. I think I got the music working. 16 and 17. Yes, sir. They show hunger no more. Neither shall they thirst anymore. Preach, preach up. But God shall wipe from the eye. Yes, sir. Get ready for the revolution. What's up? What's up, man? All right, man. We having a good time. How, how you get away tonight, man? What what the ball jangles at? Now nobody's saying anything. <laughs> you can't hear. <laughs> hey, man. It's it, it been a hard topic tonight. People been quiet, man. People like, uh, uh I don't want to put my business out there. Nobody <laughs> doing it by yourself, man. Uh huh. We're no. Music. I just wanted him to wave at the. <laughs> Uh -huh. I talk about you know, him so he, much. Uh -huh. Well, that's all right. Well, man, hopefully y'all had a